Welcome to After the Bell Podcast, Episode 5. This better be multiple choice. Hey everyone, it's Murray here with another edition of After the Bell Podcast. So we're on Episode 5, This Better Be Multiple Choice. I just wanted to say thanks to our loyal 48 listeners who have been tuning in each week, every Friday, for After the Bell Podcast. We do have a guest on today. I know her quite well, and especially during COVID, I know her extremely well, more than I've ever known her, actually. But we'll get to that when we get there. Before we get to our guests, though, we are going to start with our normal hands up segment. So for hands up today, we're going to go to our Instagram page. Again, you can follow us on at after dot the bell on Instagram. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you tell your friends. And today's hands up comes from Catherine. Catherine is actually an old high school buddy. And she's probably the only reason that I passed physics class. And I haven't actually connected with her in, in a very long time. But she sends this in today. Murray. Crush your teaser and first episode on my commute to the Alex Hospital this morning, and I'm still smiling. Had some belly laughs for sure. Was so good to hear your voice and get some insight to how the year has been for students and teachers. Super impressed with your delivery. Keep up the good work. So that was our hands up segment. Thanks to Catherine, and thank you, Catherine, for all of your work at the hospitals. I know it's probably a very stressful time for you. So thanks for listening and thanks for telling others. She actually might have a guest for us lined up who's also um, working in the schools in the near future for us. But it's now time to take attendance. Like any good teacher does, they always start by taking attendance. I'm really excited today for my first actual in-person guest on After the Bell podcast. Everything we've done so far has been um, on Google Meets. No free advertisements, Google Meets. But yeah, this is our first in-person podcast. And I'm going to introduce my guest right away. A lot of you know this guest. Um, She's really close in my life. And we're actually a cohort right now. So I would just like to welcome to our podcast Natasha, Natasha, thanks for coming on After the Bell. Thanks for having me. Well, I did convince my girlfriend to finally come on here. For those of you that don't know, Natasha's my girlfriend. We actually, I think the first time we went on a date was January 20th. I don't even remember. (laughs) Yeah, it was January 20th. So we'll be coming up on two years right away. Um, We actually, side note, went out on a nice walk around with Tasquin, but I also know that it was that day because that was the NFC championship game between the Rams and the Saints, which ended in a controversial ending, but I digress. But anyways, so we're up to a great milestone and she still hasn't killed me about with COVID going on, but uh, yeah, we'll get to COVID talk a little bit later on. But Natasha, I was just wondering, uh, you're our first guest um, outside the school s- setting, but uh, I was just wondering if you could maybe tell us about your own schooling background in Alberta. Sure. So uh, my mom is 
French. So I started pretty much kindergarten to grade six in a Francophone Catholic school in Edmonton, um, actually a couple. And I always kind of remembered being a very middle rank student, uh, probably because French wasn't as strong of a language for me as some of the other kids. Um, and then I kind of transitioned into just public school when my family moved and all of a sudden I became the class genius. So that was really um, awesome for me. Um, and then I kind of soared through French immersion through you know grade nine to, to grade 12 and I loved school. School was always really a um, very important part of my life. And then I very quickly after high school went to the U of A, got into vet school and went to the U of S for my my vet school career and that was those were both two very awesome universities I had a great experience there and some days I, I miss it there's a very big sense of community when you're in university and uh, yeah two very two very awesome schools and now I've been working as a vet for a few years and uh, that's also been pretty awesome Great. Thanks for sharing. And we'll get into some vet stories and, and questions specifically about dogs, actually, a little bit later on. But uh, I just want to back up. You, you mentioned you went to a Francophone school. So maybe for some of our listeners that don't know what a Francophone school. So am I correct when I say that a Francophone school is uh, a school where you only speak French, like you learn all the classes in French? Is that right? That's correct. So every class except for English is in French. PE outdoors, when you're on recess, you get like, I don't know, slap on the hand. Not really. They don't actually slap you on the hand, but right. you know, you get scolded if you speak in English, even on the on the playground. Um, and in grade three is when I think we were, I remember starting to take an English class and it's, it's pretty limited. So um, I, that's why my English spelling isn't so so great. That's what I blame uh, blame on that. And I remember um, they, I, especially in early years, kindergarten, grade one, you'd even have a name on the chalkboard and you'd have a few stickers. And every time you were caught speaking English, they'd take a sticker away. And if you didn't have a certain number of stickers by the end of the week, you, you didn't get a special treat. Um, so I often wow. didn't get a special treat. And funny story, my brother actually he was even less confident in French than I was, and he spent all of kindergarten not speaking. He didn't speak at all, um, because but he he got lots of treats because he never lost stars. So. That's that's a really good strategy. <laughs> so anyone anyone in a francophone school right now, you might want to think about about that strategy if you if you're worried about speaking English. Wow, that would that would be really hard, especially. Uh, especially here in Alberta, like in a, an Alberta school, I can see obviously if you're in if you're in kind of the east or a very French-speaking area of, of the country, that that would be really hard to be to be stuck speaking French uh, all the time. Good. Yeah. Well, a lot of the the kids in my class had two parents that were also French-speaking, so there's a lot of French speaking at home. Um, I don't know how I got into a Francophone school with only one French speaking parent. I think my mom had to pull some strings there, but, but yeah, it was a great experience. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. Awesome. So now we've taken attendance and now we're going to warm up here. Uh, our warm up today is going to be very similar to a lot of what we've warmed up with guests 
in the past episodes. And again, make sure you go back and listen to Chantel or listen to Dustin um, and make sure you tell others to go and check those ones out as well. But we've been talking a lot about COVID. Obviously, it's uh, it seems to be changing all the time. It seems to be changing in our communities and, and you know, we're learning new bits about what's happening, you know, all, all across the province every day. But uh, we, we both actually work in the same community. Um, but I was just kind of wondering, you know, we talked a lot about COVID in the, in the classroom um, and you mentioned you're a veterinarian, but uh, what's kind of COVID been like in, in the vet setting and maybe how is it different than maybe a normal day as a veterinarian where you work? Yeah, so definitely lots of changes in our clinic um, since COVID has come and that's changed a lot as new regulations have been put into play and we've kind of become a little bit more aware of how to to limit the spread. The biggest change I think is that we are for the most part doing curbside appointments. So people come to the clinic, they call the check-in, they tell us the stall number they're in and we talk to them mostly over the phone. When we're ready to go grab their pet, we'll grab the pet from the owner and do the exam and appointment and then do the, you know, talk about the results of the exam and everything else with the owner over the phone. So still lots of communication, probably more than ever now because I can't read body language as much and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and But lot, lots and lots of over the phone and lots of people having to be really patient. It's, it's crazy how busy our, our clinics I think everywhere in you know Alberta, probably the whole country, have been since COVID, um, just for for multiple reasons, and everybody's being for the most part very patient. So that's been a that's been a pretty big pretty big change. And then wearing a mask. Well, I spent a lot of my time wearing a mask prior to this anyway. Um, so now it's just all the time, and it has its ups and downs. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So is it sort of like you know the same how you curbside order pizza like you just show up and then they bring you the pizza like obviously in your profession it would not be pizza it would be here's my animal that needs attention and you just take it to the door and then how it kind of how what's the reception been like from maybe some of your clients especially some of your longer term clients that you've seen for you know the last five ten years what's it been like for them I think it's definitely been tough. I mean, a lot of people, their pets are their babies and they have a lot of separation anxiety with having them, you know, going into the clinic with, without them, especially some of those more nervous animals. So we've had to go off of a lot of trust and our, I think our, some of our more long-term clients have a lot more trust in us and that's been really good. They know that they're in good hands when they're in the clinic. Um, I think some of the funnier experiences that I ha I've had is, you know, when John Doe comes to the clinic with his cat who isn't loose in the car, not in a kennel at all. And they want me to crawl into the vehicle to kind of pry the cat off of the owner's lap. Yeah. And it can be a little bit hairy, uh, no pun intended. Nice. That was a great pun intended. No, I'm glad <laughs> puns are accepted on this podcast. They're actually encouraged. So that's great. Uh, now, kind of side note, warm up question. Uh, I think it was, I was scrolling on Facebook, you know, maybe a week or two ago. And of course, Facebook nowadays, and especially with COVID right now, you never know really what, what to believe, what, what you're reading. You don't know if it's fake news, if it's real, if it's authentic or not. But uh, I think I read about 
some sort of dog that was developing COVID. Now, when I read that, I, I immediately thought, like, is it the same kind of COVID as as humans, as kids, as teachers are, are getting? Or do you want to maybe talk about, like, dogs developing COVID and, and you know, is it fake news? Is it is it real? What's what's the verdict? <laughs> so early on in the pandemic, there's actually a lot of debate um, and a lot of fake news going on about um, cases of COVID in, in pets. And our medical association had kind of determined that there really weren't any obvious cases. You know, they were, uh, you know, of, of spread from pet to pet and pet to human um, and things like that in our in our owners that essentially are sick with COVID and then also have a pet um, in the household. So kind of whether or not those animals can also contribute to the spread. It was, it was really questionable. And early on, it was said that, you know, that wasn't really a, um, a risk factor. However, especially in the Edmonton area, there have been in the last, you know, few weeks, especially a, a big influx of upper respiratory conditions and upper respiratory infections developing in some of our dogs, our dog patients. And, there's some professors and things like that in Calgary and Edmonton who are trying to communicate and start some research and get a little more information on, on that to determine whether these could be COVID. So they are doing some testing. I think it's really early on, but we will learn more and uh, we'll go from there. But we're out learning every day. Cool. Thanks for clarifying that because, like I said, I don't know about you, but I've been on my phone maybe more than ever before. And if it's not Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, you're seeing all these stories about animals and COVID. But yeah. I digress. We're going to move on. You notice that we are talking a little bit more today about non-teaching stuff. We're trying to expand our audience. Again, make sure you tell a friend because if you tell one friend and they tell another friend and they keep telling more friends, we will skyrocket up Apple or Spotify. So please make sure you encourage others to listen. So our hook today, we should bring it back to teaching a little bit. So uh, just kind of a question about maybe a memorable teaching story that you had, maybe a teacher that, you know, you really liked, maybe didn't, didn't get along with that well. But do you kind of have a memorable teaching story that you want to share with our audience today? Yeah, I, I, I have a few, but I'll, I'll stick to one in particular. Um, I was always a fairly high strung, high anxiety person. Still am working on that. I don't see it that much, but okay. <laughs> you know, and I, I can say that I, I go back to a couple very memorable teachers early on in my life who sat me down and, and talked me through some strategies on how to, how to help with that. So I remember having in grade six a nervous breakdown about PATs, which is just such a silly thing in grade six. Um, but kind of I, I going a little bit forward there, I remember one very specific game we were playing in uh, in grade nine social class to try to prepare for the grade nine PATs. It was a Jeopardy type game. People had to raise their hands because we didn't have buzzers right. to answer the questions. And I got so wound up about having raised my hand before other people and them not having the perfectly correct answer to the question and had essentially a, a big fit which wasn't it it was definitely very anxiety related and after that class I remember my grade nine teacher can I see him 
Well, you know. My grade nine teacher. Yeah, anyway, that's... she's a wonderful teacher. And, and she sat me down and she kind of told me that I needed to essentially chill um, and tried to give me some tactics on how to try to manage my anxiety and essentially kind of telling me that if I didn't make some changes, I was uh, gonna, I was gonna have a little bit more difficulty in my life. Um, And so that was kind of the step one. I had a very similar experience in grade 12 as well. And I think having those people in your life, you know, a teacher like that, who is not just trying to get you through their class, but is looking out for how you're going to turn out as an adult. Uh, I just, that really touched me. And and I think I did start to kind of register um, that I needed to make some changes in, in my life to just enjoy things and not be so serious all the time. And, you know, I think I've turned out pretty well. So yeah, I would agree with Thank that. Thank you, grade nine teacher. Yeah, no, that's awesome. You as you were sharing that, like, like so many thoughts kind of came to my head. You know, there's so many different directions I can go with this. The first thing I thought of was Jeopardy. Now, we've actually, in in the COVID situation we're in right now, have been watching a lot of Jeopardy, especially Alex Trebek's RIP to Alex Trebek. Um, but we've been watching kind of all of his last episodes before he, uh, you know, stopped recording and eventually did pass on. Um but, you know, just the idea of that Jeopardy style game and we're, you know, we're, all, we're both kind of that 30 age group or, or you're almost at almost turning 30. Almost. Almost. But you just, you think about how intense those Jeopardy games got because at the time, you know, teaching was, there wasn't, there wasn't the same level of those like games based review. Um, as, as there was when Jeopardy came out, it was one of the first games where where kids were actually like, getting excited to review, especially for, a, and we can talk about PATs another day because that's a whole nother topic. But, uh, you know, for something like a PAT, which is usually pretty dry to prepare for and get kids to buy into, that that was such a breakthrough. And now now translation into 2020 teaching, I mean, you know, you're, you're lucky to find a kid that knows what Jeopardy is, you know, which is crazy to think about. Um, but you're talking about games like Kahoot or Gimkit or Blookit or Quizzes or Quizlet, like then the amount of games that you play uh, in 2020 right now, but have kind of been based off of that Jeopardy breakthrough. It's, it's kind of been, it's kind of been really cool. And you, you also touched on, on, on this particular teacher kind of getting, getting to you on a more of a personal level. And, and, you know, for me, this is year, I guess, six or seven in teaching and you know it, it's not necessarily all the the lessons that you've taught the kids like you 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 know there's always going to be fractions there's always going to be you know grammar and punctuation but it's you definitely remember just building the relationships with the students and that's the part that you remember from each year not so much the teaching part um but yeah i think you know for the most part teachers are there to kind of help you as a person more than you know the academics especially in the younger grades it maybe changes you know as you get older and as you become more academic but yeah you touched on a lot of awesome points there thanks for sharing my second hook question for you today is what makes a great teacher in in your opinion what like what makes the best of the best stand out well that's a tough question i would say some of my most memorable teachers have been warm and caring and 
approachable. I think, you know, not um, having fear to go up to that teacher to ask for, for guidance or for help. That can be, that can be, yeah, very, um, I guess, influential, I guess, for, for students. Um, but not being too friendly. You know, all of my most memorable teachers were, were great people, were, were seen as these wise, um, you know, just a little bit of, above me. They were, they were, I don't know what, you know, how to say, you know, essentially that they're just very, you know, wise, older people that care about you. And uh, yeah, I'd say that's kind of it. No, that's great. And I think for all the teachers listening, or not even necessarily just teachers, but anyone in a school, uh, you know, hopefully some of those answers that Natasha gave maybe resonate to you. I know right now, especially there's a lot going on in a classroom. So, you know, if you take a step back and just think kind of why you're there, um, you know, during that lesson that doesn't go according to plan, maybe maybe that'll put some perspective on it. Awesome. We're going to switch gears now to a bit of a lighter note, which is our recess session. Hopefully you like that snazzy music, Natasha. What do you think? <laughs> I liked it. Good. We're still playing along with some things here on After the Bell. So recess is our lighter session. We're going to lighten things up a little bit. Now, we're asking some pretty personal questions here, so don't get too personal. But I want to know, you, for yourself, what's it like dating a teacher? Let's start with, well, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and maybe the ugly. Let's start with the good. What's the, what's the good about dating a teacher? Well, I think there's lots of good out there. Um, probably the number one is the massage and dental benefits that I'm hoping. To whoa, learn. whoa, whoa, whoa. You're still not tapped into those things, <laughs> but if you play your cards right, those things might fall into place. Um, but sorry to interrupt. I'm what, just, what I'm is, the, what is the good? What's the good dating a teacher? Uh, Actually, probably the best is, I mean, I'm going to tap into, especially the fact that you in particular have been very phys ed, um, you know, done a lot of phys ed teaching. And so anytime that I've ever, I've, I've learned more new sports in the last two years than I have in 29 years of life. And I can see how you teach your students because I have learned a lot of definitely good skills and and I really enjoy playing these new sports because um, I, I stink at a lot of them but you don't ever make me feel like I'm terrible and you have such a such a um, productive and and what's the word I'm looking to you know uh, like calm? constructive 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 yeah, sure. tips yeah. always and never criticizing yeah um, so that's one of the best I well think. that's great thanks for you to share that you are part of one of the maybe the most successful curling teams right now well not currently right now we're we're shut down for a while but the sweeping beauties curling team uh <laughs> shout out to those listening on the sweeping beauties uh <laughs> But yeah, I know it's been awesome being able to kind of share those new sports with you. Um, that's good. Thanks for sharing that. Now, what about the bad of dating a teacher? Is there a bad dating a teacher? I'd probably say, uh, at least compared to my job, uh, you get home a little bit earlier than I do. I definitely do have, yeah. have to do, do a lot of call. Um, so, yeah, I'd yeah. say you, you get home before me. Sure. Uh, however, I will say that the ugly might be that 
Oh, I don't know if I'm jumping no, ahead. No, go ahead. Here, Jump right into that. Uh, is that somehow I always seem to get uh, roped into to marking, and uh, mm, and yes. that and that's I think the ugly is that uh, even though your your day you know ends a little bit earlier than mine, there's yeah. definitely a lot more after after school stuff that kind of you're you're still needing yeah, to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, that's, but that's great. Yeah, and you know what? You're 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 right on cue it feels like you're almost reading the notes right beside me here about what we're jumping into uh yeah when i thought of the ugly i'm I'm not gonna lie i kind of thought maybe you'd say um pd days well i mean i kind of just block those out because i'm at work and so when you're home um i always thought you know when i was a kid that pd days just meant the teachers had the day off um but i'm learning that they're you know their professional development which is what PD stands yeah. for, um, and so I'm just I am jealous. I actually that is the ugly. I am jealous of the things that you guys get to do. You guys get these days assigned to you guys for um, developing your careers, and and when I have to do that, I yeah. definitely don't get time allotted for that. Yeah. Uh, well, to some degree, but just not as much as you guys. And I mean, I know that they're very structured holidays and you guys are told when you have to do holidays, right. but I get, you know, two to three weeks a year and, uh, you get all summer and that's the nicest time of year to be around in Alberta. Um, it's during the summer. So yeah, yeah, I'm a little jealous about that. No, absolutely. And you know what? I, of course I brought up PD days, um, again, professional development, like Natasha said, and again, as a kid, you're, you you have no care at all about what a PD day is. You just got, you don't have to go to school. Um, but again, any of my friends that, that, you know, know me, they're constantly asking, is it a PD day this week? Um, and it or is. Next week? And it often is. I mean, at least once a month it is. So uh, shout out to a few of my friends that jab me about PD days. But uh, good. Thanks for sharing that, Risa. So we are going to jump into last minute. I like to try to keep the podcast under 30 minutes so we're kind of at that 26 minute mark not to put any pressure on you but last period today we are going to talk about what you mentioned and that is marking so i would say that so far since we've dated i would categorize you as definitely being involved as a marking assistant would you agree i would agree yes and it's it's been a very very great asset to have um just kind of general questions about your own marking experience. Do you have a favorite kind of marking? Multiple choice for sure. Uh, Cause you can also come up with a little um, ABDC jingle in your head to remember page to page. And that's kind of fun. Awesome. Um, but sometimes I like to look at the, the long answer stuff and see how creative uh, some of the kids can be, especially when they don't know the answer. Sometimes with a doodle, that's always fun to watch. Yeah. Or to look at, I mean. Yeah, or you've probably seen IDK. Do you know what IDK, IDK stands for? I don't know. Yeah, I that's never know. appropriate. But Yeah, I don't know. But uh, and again, again, I don't know if you're just looking at the show notes or something, but our, our title for today is This Better Be Multiple Choice. So, yeah. again, you're either looking at the notes or you're doing a great job here kind of predicting, you know, what this episode of after the bell or your episode predicted my answers yeah maybe maybe uh so yeah marketing in general is it what you thought it would be what do you think it's a little bit more than i thought actually okay um probably more so now that you're teaching grade six versus pe pe not a lot of marking with that yeah um so yeah a little bit more i think 
um, going back to as a kid, I, I thought that teachers were just these beings that lived at school and actually didn't have a, a life outside school at all. So you don't even think about what they have to do. Yeah. Uh, and so dating a teacher has definitely shown me a little bit more about what, what that entails and prep work and, and marking is definitely a big part of your, your job outside of classroom. Awesome. Yeah. So it sounds like you've kind of changed your outlook on teaching. Yeah. Always appreciated, but now I appreciate the movie more. Absolutely. No, and like you said, it's uh, as a kid, you kind of think of, uh, at least when I was a kid growing up in rural Alberta, when I thought of school, I thought of, um, you know, the sports season at hand. So, you know, the fall is cross country and volleyball, basketball, track and field, right? Uh, so those are important. I also thought cafeteria, what's being served? Is it going to be good? Is it the same every day? Is it alternate? How does that work? Any sort of like field trips, holidays, you know, going to the water park on the last day before Christmas break. Did you do anything like that? I think I did. Yeah. 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 Awesome. Uh, do you have any kind of uh, last minute things to wrap up on or, you know, either one more funny story or, or just something else you want to share on, on this podcast? I just want to say to all the teachers out there, whether you're teaching online or you're in the classroom, we appreciate you. And thanks for doing what you do. Awesome. Because kids can be really hard to handle. So They can be tough. And a shout out to the veterinarians and the vet techs and the, anyone, the receptionists. I mean, everyone right now especially is, is – doing a lot and doing maybe more than what they have and, and they're they're having to be asked to do things in a different different format so also a shout out to to your vet clinic and hopefully they actually uh, decide to maybe listen to this would you would you mind passing it out to your place of work i'll definitely do that awesome well it's 318 a teacher's favorite time of the day so we're going to end with everybody's favorite sound Thanks, Natasha, for joining us. Class dismissed.